0: Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan Lepique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. So I'm pleased to have with us today, Mr. Tom Mayer. Tom is part of the U.S. firm. He's the National Strategic Leader for Industrial Manufacturing. And we're here to talk about a very interesting topic and one that's a little bit different than what we often address in this podcast series. But what we want to look at is what will be the impact of autonomous vehicles relative to the closing parts business? So we've all heard a lot about Google and others and Uber bringing autonomous vehicles to the market. And that's mostly a good thing, but there's a lot of, I think, ramifications down through the historical supply chain. So we wanted to get Tom's insights on that today. How big is the collision parts business, and using that as a segue into people have less collisions, what's that going to mean? So today,
1: the collision and repair business is about $30 billion in the U.S. Of that, about $5.6 billion actually goes to the automakers, the remainder going to dealers, to independent repair shops or to third-party collision parts manufacturers. So it's a huge business today. That $5.6 billion that goes to the automakers only represents about 3% of their annual revenues but it actually generates about 10 to 12 percent of their total annual profits so the impacts to the collision parts business have potentially huge bottom line implications for the auto manufacturers
0: yeah and having personally recently spent 2700 dollars repairing a bumper yeah i can see how those numbers can add up when we look at autonomous vehicle technology how much of this is an issue today or is this something that's going to be in the three-year range, the five-year range? Where are we looking at as far as the reality, the impact that autonomous vehicle technology is going to have on this sector?
1: So we're beginning to see some of it today. We'll see a huge impact by 2030. In fact, our analysis and modeling suggests that there could be a 50% reduction in the collision parts and repair business by 2030 and a 75% reduction in those revenues and earnings by 2040. As we look at what's going on today Back in the 90s, we all got ABS, and that reduced collisions about 6%. In the 2000s, we all started to see electronic stability control. That dropped collisions by about 6%. But when we look at technologies that are starting to emerge today, it's much, much more dramatic. We see a lot of vehicles, particularly in the 2017 and 2018 model years, with automatic braking systems that spot a potential rear-end collision or T-bone coming and apply the brakes for you. The IIHS looked at that back in 2015 and found a 50% reduction in forward collision involvement for vehicles that had even the early versions of automatic braking. Last year, we all saw the unfortunate Tesla Model S collision with a truck down in Florida. When the DOT went in and investigated how Tesla's autopilot system works around potential collisions, what they saw was that those Model S's out on the road, when autopilot was downloaded to them, had a 40% reduction in collision involvement. So it was exactly the same cars, exactly the same owners. When that capability dropped onto the cars, suddenly that exact same group had 40% fewer collisions per 1,000 miles driven. It's very dramatic, and we're starting to see it today. We'll see it big time by 2022. 20 of the automakers globally have committed on a voluntary basis to have automatic braking at minimum across their entire fleet as a standard option by 2022. So it's coming pretty quickly.
0: Okay, and that's great. As someone who has three teenagers, two of whom have total Jeeps, I would <laughs> appreciate that. So I think you've really hit on this already, but what's the impetus behind this advanced technology systems? Is it just the safety of the driver and the car? Is it an insurance issue? Is it all of the above? But is there anything else you want to add relative to why this is progressing so fast? So certainly the technology's there, but then there's the reason why the technology's being implemented.
1: It's really about safety. We kill tens of thousands of people and injure hundreds of thousands of people around the world every year in vehicle collisions, and all of the studies indicate that 94% of those accidents are driver errors. So it's really about saving lives, avoiding people getting injured, and making all of our families safer
0: going forward. So on a little bit of a tangent, I've spent some time overseas and I was just talking to a colleague who came back from India and had some very (laughs) scary... Is this something that you think in at least the near term is going to be primarily in what one might call more advanced markets? Or do you think that the footprint of the technology and the cost? would allow you to put it into places such as India or certain Latin American countries or certain Eastern European countries where driving is kind of an event? Or is it much longer term to get into those markets?
1: I think it is about timing. The technology, at least in its first few years, adds quite a bit to the cost of the vehicle. What we have seen in our work with the automakers and in our work with the technology providers, however, is that most of these are electronic gadgets. And Silicon Valley has 40 or 50 years of experience with Moore's Law and how to take a big expensive thing on a printed circuit board, put it onto a chip, cost-reduce that chip, enhance the capabilities of that chip, and reduce cost 90% every few years. All of my OE clients and our technology clients are telling us that while it costs a few thousand dollars for the option pack today on a luxury vehicle, within five to ten years, the cost of putting these systems on will be a $100. And at that point, we can certainly see affordability in all the developed markets and significant penetration in less developed, less prosperous markets.
0: That's good to know. So then maybe, Tom, back to the OEMs, what should they be doing? They're looking at a lot of their business going away because there's a lot less crashes, which is good. But what are some of the preemptive actions they should think about to mitigate the risk to their business going forward?
1: I think the first thing is to take a hard look at what portion of their bottom line profit is coming from collision parts with their expected technology introductions, how rapidly and for what types of parts they're likely to see demand fall off. At that point, they really need to get ahead of the power curve in terms of right sizing their business the number of warehouses the logistics systems all the infrastructure that's designed for the market of today as opposed to the market of 2030 that could be that could be demanding half of the volume and i think it's really about understanding how the decline is going to happen figuring out in advance how they're going to right-size the business, how they're going to change the way they interact with their channel partners to make sure that both they, their dealers, and their other channel partners can survive this.
0: And, Tom, do you see that there's alternative revenue opportunities for these organizations? Are there new businesses or new business areas they could get into to kind of make up for some of the lost revenue they're getting from the decline in traditional business?
1: I think one interesting area is potentially partnering with the auto insurers. The auto insurers are going to have the same challenge as the risk of collision goes down. Their revenue is going to likely fall. And frankly, as these systems become more sophisticated, it will become more about insuring the sensors and the algorithms on the car rather than insuring the risk of the driver. And at that point, the automakers actually have a significant ability to shift the risk curve around and could potentially have some attractive partnerships with the insurers. I think the other important area is in managing counterfeit risk, and ensuring the integrity of these safety systems on the vehicles going forward. We've been doing a lot of work around Industry 4.0 and a concept called Digital Twin that allows you to register parts on and off of a car or any other product and understand the configuration of that product over time. And when you start to think about the sensors and the actuators involved in these safety systems boy, there could be a very interesting market and an ability to make them truly proprietary parts if we can register those safety-critical components on and off of the vehicle and ensure that they are always OEM parts going onto the vehicle rather than will-fit or a cheap knockoff.
0: Sounds like the technology that's coming to the fore today is great, but it's also very complicated and involves lots of parts. And there's going to need to be somebody who can understand how all those parts work together and validate them. And also, I would think ensure that they're safe from a security standpoint. So I've seen the stories of somebody hacking cars to their security system. So I would think a business could be made around protecting against that. So it sounds like there's a lot of different opportunities, but they're different than were historically. So maybe to wrap up, you're talking to one of your clients. What should they be doing in the next year or two to prepare for this change? You've hit upon some of the future opportunities, but is there anything else you'd want to add as far as What do you need to get going on much sooner than later?
1: I think the key thing is to have clarity across both their product development and their aftermarket collision parts businesses about how the market is really going to shift and how they're driving it. Once they have that, it's about building rich strategic plans on how to maintain profitability or enhance profitability as they improve all of our safety, and then a whole set of implementation activity around how they're going to right-size the business, how they can use technology to potentially create some proprietary part positions in the aftermarket, and a whole set of people and change challenges As you indicated, these technologies require new capabilities within their organization. It's not bending metal or extruding plastic anymore. It's really about deep learning systems around software, around sensor integration. So there's a whole set of people and organization and skill set development that they really need to get started
0: on now. I think that's a very key point. I think that whole new skill set around how do you manage all these cool technologies that somebody else developed to put into these systems is going to be very critical. And I've talked about this in other areas, and there's this not enough people to do that right now, so I think that's going to be a key issue to address. But, Tom, this has been great. I think this is a very interesting topic. I think you put some practical realities around what we hear about in the popular press of autonomous cars and how they're just going to be wonderful. Thank you for your time on this. We'll have to get you back again as we progress toward you know greater autonomy of vehicles. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.